Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2022. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them. And Della, she, her. Yes, this is our first episode of 2022. You could say it's our New Year's episode, here to celebrate the inexorable march of time (laughs) and entropy as the whole universe disintegrates into chaos over time. I still don't think it sounds right. It still seems like way too many twos. <laughs> I'm going to go 20. Oh, wait until two, we're... Two, two, 22. <laughs> yeah. Just wait until we're recording this podcast in the year 2222. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after the mm-hmm. Mushroom War. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to be some sort of like... I, I don't know who all is alive from before the Mushroom War anyway. Crazy um, ice wizards. Simon, Marceline. Um, there's a couple of old humans that have preserved themselves. The the robot person. Mm-hmm. And some robots, right? And those robots, yeah. Yeah. And yet none of them, you know, set their minds to mm. archiving comments about really old fan fiction <laughs> um, in the era of Adventure Time. It's very strange. You know, in Adventure Time canon, I can see that being not true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Adventure Time has fan fiction in it, so, you know. So I'm in reading some sort of, like, you know, written out copies of, like, message boards and responding angrily to people who have been dead for thousands of years. Well, have you mm-hmm. heard about the new series that's coming out on HBO? Oh, uh, what's that? Uh, Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake. Oh my god, Really? Really? Yeah, they, they announced it. <laughs> no, they, they announced it back uh, last August, and it's going to be uh, Simon Petrikov, I guess, after the Adventure Time series with Fiona and Kate jumping through different multiverses. Oh, hmm. okay. I was going to say, what's the point of doing Fiona and Kate? Because how is their arc different, except in that they're being written by Simon? But yeah, <laughs> yeah. if they're doing something completely different, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, if they're doing something where they're like real, because that's the thing about the Fiona and Kate episodes is like, they always turn out in a joke, right? Because like yeah. Fiona and Cake, you know, are like they're created by the Ice Kings, so of course the Ice King wants Fiona to be in love with him. So it's yeah, <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's all those all those bad fanfic tropes that we know surprisingly a lot of about mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> I also, by the way, I should mention that the Lich technically did exist before the Mushroom War, just not in the form we know the Lich as. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the incarnations of the comic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Both of you have watched Adventure Time way more recently than me, so you might have to (laughs) remind me of some of these, like, actual canon things. But, um, yeah, we're reading Adventure Time fanfic today. Now, Della, it was your suggestion partially do something really short just because all of us were super busy this month during the holiday season and such when yeah. we're recording. Um, and it's not exactly retro by my standards. This fanfic came out in 2013. <laughs> but given that pretty recently I had us do something that was just not fan fiction, period, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we can stretch the definition of retro a little bit. Well, I don't think we have to. I think this is retro fan fiction at this point. Adventure Time is the uh, series that's you know over... Uh, more or less, they're still <laughs> releasing new spinoffs, <laughs> but the series itself is done, um, and it's had a huge impact on the uh, cartoon and fan communities in general. I, I, and it's, you know, foundational at this point. You make a good point, Della, and also, um, 
I think it's always interesting, even when we're reading stuff based on relatively new source material like this, to be reading fanfic that was written while the series was still coming out, before fans had kind of the whole series as a unit. And that was like the most interesting thing about that, you know, Sokka Zuko fanfic we read uh, based on Avatar way back in the day, was just that the, like season three hadn't started yet, and maybe they had seen some, or I forget exactly how it went, it started while they were writing it. It was weird. No, they, um, they had seen some preview trailers that had come out. I, I remember this <laughs> very well. Uh, yeah, but I, I understand what you mean. It was part of the fan community at the time <laughs> and how it right. expressed itself. And likewise, this fanfic, we're reading Undeath, by the way, uh, by, how how would we say this? Carlilo? C- c- wait. Carly, Carl, Car- <laughs> Carl I-R-O. Carlero? <laughs> Carlero? Carlero? Carlero sounds more right. We're, we're recording late, y'all, so... <laughs> yeah, Carlero. <laughs> so, how'd you find this fanfic, Amato? Oh, well, you suggested it. How did you find this fanfic, Daniela? <laughs> well, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> I'm not not the fanfic scholar that, uh, that Amato is, but I know enough to go to tvtropes.com, check out the fanfic wrecks, <laughs> and found, skim the uh, general fix, because I don't want to do any shipping stuff. That seems weird. Just found a nice little um, uh, little fic that was recommended. It was 531 words. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, we could do this without thinking about it and record during the this busy time, holiday time we're doing. And the person that recommended it says um, that it was a fic basically how the lich thinks and feels, makes him feel somewhat more understandable, yet alien, and depending on if you ask, even outright bitter. But his reasoning is quite chilling and humane, as he should be. So I guess thank you for Perryton on TV Tropes for the recommendation. The TV Tropes pages are a time-honored method that I've used before, too. <laughs> and so this story is called Undeath by Carlero, or something along those lines. And it was published in early 2013, which puts it kind of in the middle-ish of um, Adventure Time as a series, I think. Mm-hmm. Specifically, it looks like uh middle of season five right or near the beginning of season five first fifth of season five i think like first 10 episodes and there's like 50 episodes in that season yeah i'm looking at this list of seasons of adventure time on wikipedia and it's so weird (laughs) yeah these dates like three separate seasons happened like partially happened or fully happened in 2012 and then season five lasted you know two and a half years well yeah are you um are you current on Adventure Time, Amato? Did you watch all of it? You know what? No. I was keeping up with Adventure Time up until that vampire miniseries, and then I kind of fell off of it, and I've never watched past that. Hmm. That's really interesting, because I feel like Adventure Time kind of gets... I don't know. I think, like, season six and seven is when it really, like, gets going you know and sort of stays solid till the end in my opinion well that's interesting i thought season six was a real dip and then seven picked uh, up and then then ran away with it maybe it was like the end of season six where it started to pick up i can't remember but probably something like mm-hmm. that but i i do remember I, i'm never an early adopter of these things i always hop on some point after it started so i think i was in here season two or three and since then kept up on it um as it released yeah, it's kind of funny, like, looking back, I started watching Adventure Time, um, like, shortly after I graduated from college, so, like, 2011 or something. It's, 
it's taken, I remember I was using it with the kids I taught in middle school as a reference point. That was like 24, 2013, 2014, no, 2013. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to think that the show only wrapped up a couple years ago. And now there's another mini series out on HBO, which by the way is excellent. Distant. But that show just went forever, (laughs) you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like a cultural staple. Like I think I mentioned before, a lot of cartoonists I know have worked on the show. It's sort of like, get jumping into animation it was like this weird sort of like jumping off point for a lot of people to do animation coming from the underground kind of cartooning community so i distinctly remember at like the very beginning of my master's in teaching program which i would have been doing in like what 2013 or something um i was tutoring some middle schooler i think who definitely had like special interest focus on flame princess specifically and I made the mistake of letting her know that I like was familiar with Adventure Time and knew who that was. And so then she definitely wanted to talk to me about that instead of about academics. <laughs> I'm on this kid's side, model. <laughs> yeah. Never let them no. know. The real trick is you've got to make the connection. You've got to be like, well, how is Flame Princess like, I don't know, whatever you were tutoring, whatever you were teaching. <laughs> Literature. We were like reading short stories. Yeah. A character in a short story that's easier than how is flame princess like calculus just saying that's true probably not very much so what do you remember of the lich character amato from your from your uh, initial viewing i remember the lich visually more than anything else because like his character design is great i feel like you know with with when i think of a lich in like the D sense it's like oh yeah it's like an evil skeletal spellcaster probably pretty creepy looking but like there's something human about them right because they used to be human <laughs> and now they're just like you know they traded all their human things for power you know in kind of a vampire or dark pact sort of way but the adventure time lich was always so inhuman and it was like always very striking yeah. that like y- you can't talk to this entity about like you know, what type of candy it liked as a kid. That's not the kind of thing that it is. There's, like, no connection to be made with it. Apparently, in the original, like, pitch for the show, or, or description, character descriptions, like, there was, like, only six characters, and the Lich was one of them. Mm-hmm. And huh. the Lich, in that breakdown, specifically said, the Lich is not funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they were successful with that. Yeah, which is very interesting with Adventure Time with the tone it normally takes. So I thought that was notable. Yeah, I actually think it was the introduction of the Lich that really kind of got me into the show because there was always a little bit of dark humor and like obviously references to stuff that I grew up with because the creators are like my age um, or a little older. Um, But anyway, um, the Lich appearing for the first time with this this deep commanding voice that can hypnotize people is just just be like everything will fall silent let's go stop and it's just this like intense <laughs> breathy voice that i can't imitate i was like whoa a yeah. kid's show is doing this and i honestly think there's a lot of kids shows that are doing stuff that is that scary and deep and speaks about you know human agency and death and chaos and you know all of these concepts but adventure yeah. time feels like the first in a way for this generation I just have to gush a little bit at the uh, at the voice performance by Ron Perlman. It's amazing. It's creepy, and like you've heard descriptions of stuff in fantasy setting sci-fi, like dark, dissident whispers, and you're like, yeah, yeah, okay. But like they really do that with the mm-hmm. lich and just like just the faded out background, the one character and Ron Perlman doing 
weird, low, disturbing whispers that gets into you. And the performances and the sound mixing is it's brilliant. You know, good, good job, Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It was. It's. It's so impactful the way they do those scenes. <laughs> well, I don't know if you were able to hear that voice in your head with this fanfic because this fanfic is only five hundred words. Um, the description is, the summary is three words. It says, the lich talks. <laughs> and it is, in essence, a monologue by the lich about kind of why it does what it does. Um, and that includes a little bit of what you might call almost origin story stuff. I, I mean, I don't remember what you learn by this point about the lich and the relationship to the Mushroom War or anything like that. Um at this but, point, there wasn't uh, background for for the Lich exactly. Like they'd mentioned fighting Billy before, but the backstory connected to the comic doesn't happen until um, a couple of years after this fanfic comes out. So in that sense, this fanfic hints at an origin story, which seems very plausible and natural in the you know Adventure Time kind of uh, cosmology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was trying to remember, even though I recently rewatched Adventure Time, like six months ago or less it's a long show so i was trying to remember what you know when and what you learn about the lich the adventure time wiki says he is an ancient cosmic being who is the manifestation of the inevitable death of all things and that his essence was deposited on earth millions of years before the that before started the show via the catalyst comet but you know we don't really learn about that until much later on as you were saying i thought it was interesting though because when you first see the lich i don't think you realize that he's the manifestation of the death of all things right like uh anyway yeah my recollection is he doesn't get quite that cosmic until like the second kind of main Mm -hmm. lich story arc yeah Um, yeah so like this author is pretty much inferring most of the stuff that we learn i think right yeah there's there's some good inferences yeah should i try to summarize this fanfic please so I'm, I'm glancing back over it, and I would say the Lich's monologue here, which is, again, 500 words, it's not very long, I can probably summarize in, like, a few chunks. And the first chunk is the Lich saying, I represent entropy, with prettier words. The mm-hmm. second chunk is saying, I, the main reason I exist is because living beings wanted me to. And uh, they wanted kind of like a face to this entropy that they're always fighting, something that they can like stand against specifically and hate, and also something to blame. And also, it, it's explaining that it was kind of born out of the Mushroom War, basically. That like that was the catalyst that brought it into being. And then the third part of it is sort of the Lich justifying look, I didn't choose to be this way. Like, you know, this is, this is how I was made, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill my duty of bringing, you know, entropy and destroying all life in the universe because that is my job and that's what, you know, that's what life wants me to do. And that's, and I'm going to fulfill my function. Is that, do you two think that's a fair summary of the, the contents of what the Lich is saying here? I feel like that's fair. I'd like to add at that first chunk that life not only wants it, that this monologue is saying life not only wants it there because to blame, but because life itself wants to die also. That's oh, yeah. The implication. Mm-hmm. You're right. It, it doesn't use the word like self-destructive, but that's kind of what it's yeah. saying about 
life's um, impulses and like humans in particular doing dumb things like yeah creating nuclear wars in the first part uh to quote implored the heavens and the depths for there to be an end a liberation a destruction a corruption of its desire to live mm-hmm. yeah it's like sort of uh this intensity of the first half of it being like the reason for lich's existence and then it kind of goes on to sort of just kind of berate humans, you know, like <laughs> we sort of mentioned, like, say, you know, uh, yeah, y'all, why are you so mad at me? You wanted me, you created me. Uh, very simplistic, those human creatures. Naturally, I obliged with said demands. After all, who am I to deny the pleas of a bunch of pathetic sadomasochists who cannot bear that there is no white or black, just pure fog-like gray? So it kind of goes on to do that and then end in, I'm fulfilling my function, like we said. Yeah, and I like, uh, I mean, that ties back into kind of the paragraph, or leads out of the paragraph just before it. And I want to read the last part of that too, where mm-hmm. he's talking about people begging not just for destruction and annihilation, quote, but for there to be oppression, for there to be a force out there that justifies the human craving for paranoia, for self-righteous delusions of persecution, for there to be a face they can punch, that they can vow to destroy when all else is lost. And the Lich here is not talking about Finn specifically, but I think this very much speaks to Adventure Time where Finn wants a face to punch. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of how he rolls, right? And yeah, mm-hmm. he, he specifically, I guess, as a, in this case, as a representation of humanity, is kind of like, yes, he, he does want things to be black and white when possible. He would very much like to hit things with a sword and solve the problems. Yeah. Adventure Time's philosophy in general is hero-focused, which means punching the evil in, in the face in a D&D style uh, crazy thing and get loot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and they play on that a lot. And like at first they just sort of play into it, but kind of like dance around like, oh, one time they go to a dungeon, it's just like a video game dungeon, you know, like little things like that. But I think when the show takes a turn, which is a slightly after this was written, I think, then they start to go places where they're like, what can Finn do when he can't just punch a thing? Well, actually, the Lich is the first iteration of that. Yeah, so it seems it seems pretty on point in terms of kind of playing to the themes of Adventure Time. Yeah. And by the way, just to just to randomly gush about Adventure Time, my my favorite joke regarding that kind of morality stuff is the really early Enkairidian episode with like, what is it, a frog? <laughs> One of the tests is to kill the frog or something. And Finn's like, well, is it an evil frog? And the test person's like, no, it's not an evil frog, but it's not good either. It's a neutral frog, okay? <laughs> yeah, the first appearance of the Lich, one of the uh, monologues the Lich gives directly to, to Finn is that he is not just powerful, he is beyond power. Mm. So beyond this scale of physical action. Yeah, well, if, if a Lich is so great, how come it ended up possessing a snail or something? Well, it worked. Mm. It worked a lot because <laughs> it, it worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the lich is beyond dignity. Yeah. The only thing that stopped that was um, Jake and Prismo's budding friendship based on pickles. Yeah, that seemed very, very uh, uh, helpful. It's like, oh well, yeah. if if Prismo had decided to help out, then well, tough luck. True. Yeah. True. Life. 
But that episode, those episodes, you know, were like pretty intense, right? Like, I feel like it's fine that in a way it's sort of Deus Ex Machina because Prisma literally a god, a wish master, right? <laughs> wish granting god. Well, because also then he gets killed by the Lich. So then right. it's like, oh, yeah, there's consequences what it does still. is it enforces the scope of what the Lich can do. Like, no, Jake and Finn could not have defeated the Lich on their own. He is too powerful for that. You needed like, not only just a, not just a god, but like, a circumstance and a set of events and even then the god died <laughs> like that's what makes the lich scary speaking as finn what if he just had a better sword though mm. would that help like a really good sword hmm. no, i think a good hero has to have a good sword and also be able to pull the uh, loki trickster moves out when, when needed finn's not the best at that i think mm-hmm. situationally but yeah not the best. Uh, well when I was reading this fanfic, I was thinking back to, I, I mean, th- this is not a deep comment or anything, but it's like a, a Twitter post someone had made just talking about how very often fan fiction is there to fill gaps or explain things that fans do not see explained in the source material. And, you know, that can even be sort of like in kind of the shipping or, or relationship sort of focused ones. Sometimes it's just like, not seeing emotional truth or emotional culmination in a relationship and like trying to like, you know, write it the way they see this happening or like kind of fill in gaps there. And um, I guess I was thinking about this fanfic in that, in that sense. And does it feel like from this point in the series, what gaps about the Lich do you think this is filling? Do you think it's mostly kind of a backstory sort of thing? Or do you think it's more about kind of a motivation wanting to like, get behind what the, makes the lich tick more like yeah i think this was more about a um a study of the character you know just mm-hmm. what it was like to get in the lich lich's head it's like the summary is just the lich talks not the lich is motivated to do something not it's trying to it's reminiscing it's just the lich liches all over the place <laughs> i think it's a, interesting we have this because there's not a lot of these characters like out in the world let alone in like accessible media let alone children's media that have these like orange and blue moralities you know that that just these uh eldritch beating beings that exist outside of humankind human thought and i think it's just really interesting thought experiment to write it i I, after reading it and i think that's really part of it what gave me the uh idea to suggest it to y'all to to talk about it really that's what drew me in Yeah, no, I I agree with that, Della. I just also, like, I think it is an attempt to kind of get in the Lich's head. Um, However, it's also sort of an attempt to define what the Lich is. Like, the first sentence is, I am rot. Well, actually, that's the first paragraph, you know. Mm -hmm. And it goes on a little bit. But what that makes me think of is, like, oh, rot. Well, human reaction is like, ew, gross, bad, death, not good rotting food in your fridge obviously it's evil but he goes on to talk about it you know in these other words that turn humans off like bile and necrotic blood but when i read that uh wikipedia thing where it was like oh he just represents the end of all things i'm like and and like you said entropy motto even if he just represents the death like that's not like everything comes to an end it's not evil there's something terrifying about the lich but it's not inherently evil which is not something i thought of when i was watching the show and i think that that's i don't know it's sort of like trying to 
it's not like it's trying to humanize the lich in ways it's almost like trying to dehumanize the lich, like get into that sort of amoral mindset. I I think that's right. We're talking about like death as like a force. It's not necessarily like good or evil or done because they want to, but like in the show, I, I think even in this story, there's that hint of like the smile the liches has because the lich mm-hmm. does like talk about how it is base. It is important. It is necessary for the universe, but it does doesn't seem like it hates what it's doing <laughs> you know it, it does the wish for the end of all all life in the universe and it like cackles afterwards big old smile on the half billy half lich face mm-hmm. is the lich ever cruel on a personal level like does he ever say something mean does he ever like cause unnecessary pain i kick a puppy yeah, i was i was gonna say yeah because i mean a lot of his actions feel very villainous. Like when he talks to Finn, he, you know, sort of taunts him in ways, mm, right? Yeah. Or, you know, like makes him feel powerless as if he enjoys having the one up on him. That is but true. this is an interesting sort of different take. And, you know, I think that makes me want to sort of like relook at it and say, well, maybe there's a different read to those actions. I think he is like I, but you know, like this fanfic says, he's fulfilling a function. Maybe part of that function is to be cruel. Like maybe that is part of confronting the realities that he's trying to bring forth, which is the destruction of everything. So, yeah, because when he does engage with people, he does lean on them as heavy as possible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. not like he's going out of out of his way to cause these interactions, though. But he's not shying away from them and not being nice when they happen. I feel like I'd have to, yeah, like I have to look at the lines though, because like in my mind, it's like, oh, he's just being mean because he's a villain, but maybe he's just being honest, you know, like he does seem to take a little pleasure in it, but maybe he's just like telling them a truth they don't want to hear. I don't know. Hmm. I was just wondering, yeah, Uh, look, look, obviously Uh, for a moment, I was wondering whether that kind of puts this take of the lich at odds with the one that we see in the show, but also... You know, this is all, this fanfic is completely from the Lich's voice. It's what the Lich is saying. That doesn't mean that every word that the Lich says is true. It, I mean, you know, we can also say the Lich in this point, talking to us, the reader, is claiming a, if not moral superiority, at least a kind of like, look, I, I do all this stuff just because, you know, I have to. No, not, not even because I have to, because I was made to do it, because that's what the universe wants. That's what life wants and needs. And and like, who am I to not do that? Like, that's my job. But, you know, maybe maybe the Lich does not want to say, also, I enjoy the cruelty and the inflicting harm, even if, mm-hmm. in fact, it does. It's just not saying that to us. Like, they're not incompatible reads. I mean, he's also, like I mentioned, fairly insulting to humans. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, they're pathetic and they're stupid and they don't understand anything. So, like, I feel like that sort of drives with it. Yeah, but a speaking as a human, like, I was like, yeah, that's fair. It is fair. Actually, that was like, I was thinking, that was the other thought running around in my head is, was like, it's not like any of his judgments are particularly wrong. They're just said really, in like a really mean voice. Like, he doesn't look at any of the positives of humanity. He only points out like the worst parts and the most negative voice. But then again, it was like our generation, the writer's room too, so. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ah, geez, what was I doing that I wasn't writing Adventure Time instead? I think oh. about that all the time. <laughs> Art drawing for I guess I was in Japan know. for a few years. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> making life lasting uh, personal connections. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, those are just going to fray and dissolve into the nothingness of death eventually. Whereas Adventure Time, mm. um, <laughs> I-, I guess, will also do that. So never mind. <laughs> it's a cheery I mean, new year here at Retro Fanfic Retrospective. The light of 2022 is getting pretty harsh. I mean, you can. Of course, we're just staying with the theme of the past couple of years of being bright and positive and optimistic for good, <laughs> objective reasons. <laughs> Look, yeah. here's a positive thought. Adventure Time will last way longer than any of us ever will. Mm-hmm. On the internet, we will be decomposing in our graves and Adventure <laughs> Time will live on. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's not a sad Happy thought. New Year. Adventure Time's pretty yeah. good. I guess Happy not. New Year. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Was, is there anything else we want to talk about the fan kick? Specifically? I don't know why I'm taking a model shot here. No, I, I mean, <laughs> well, just to stop us from rambling about um, about entropy, probably. <laughs> um, I will say, like, taking on, just because I was kind of on this before, the lich insulting people, and Amato, what Amato, what you said was like, oh, yeah, well, it's like, it's not unfair. I really kind of related with the line where he starts to question why people are so bad. He's like, uh, why do they crave suffering while pretending they want, or whilst pretending to want freedom and pleasure? Is it because they are conditioned to be this stupid? Or is it because at some point in its history, life learned to be self-righteous and knew that it needed a persecutor in order for the masses to worship it as if it was a deity? And I'm like, Fair criticism to start, and then clearly you're, like, talking about yourself now, and that's a little bit, like, not as logical. So I like the little subtlety of, like, yeah, he's taking a pretty logical take. Okay, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, to answer your question there, Della, about whether we have anything else to say about the fanfic, it's 500 words long. I think I'm comfortable going into things that we want to complain about and then things we like about the fanfic, and that'll lead into whatever else we have left to talk about, I'm sure. So, what do we think the fanfic could have done better? Um, For me, I think what I didn't like was some of the word choices, I think, was a bit, like, harsher in tone than it should be, or maybe grosser, I don't know. Like, I'm not talking about bile and stuff like that. Like, that makes sense in context. But there's some stuff that just, like, um, I don't know. A little bit uncomfortable for the uh, subject matter. I I think I, I don't know if this is exactly what you mean about the word choice, Della, but I do feel like sometimes it's kind of trying a little bit too hard. Um, like, if we're, if we're in the lich's voice, I would the lich say some of these things? I don't know. Uh, Tori, you quoted the, the the term pathetic sadomasochists. It's like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I guess like maybe I felt, could imagine it saying that. Like, that felt a little awkward. It was a little awkward. Um, and, like, fearful, hilariously masochistic hymns. It's just, like, a, a little bit, maybe, a little bit overwritten, I feel like, sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. And it, it sort of speaks to what I wanted to say is for something so short, it actually is a bit redundant. Like a mm. lot of the repetitious, you just said sado, like sadomasochistic and masochistic are both used to describe people. It's like, right. you know, 
Um, and we mentioned the language of decay. Well, it just goes on. It's not like words are repeated, but you've not, you know, a bile filled whispers and black necrotic blood, blah, blah, blah. And then, it, you know, later on, you've got a sickly, um, I don't know say, pitiful flesh becomes pale, rotten and tattered, piles of necrotic tissue. Well, necrotic again. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just maybe if you were going to use these themes, like kind of keep maybe the decay theming together and some of the other stuff, I don't know, like have a more, have a structure to it. Is I don't know how I'm trying to say this, but <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Like, I mean, to summarize, like at the beginning, there's three full paragraphs of the Lich saying in different ways that it represents entropy and like i mean did you need three paragraphs of that maybe maybe one was mm. fine um but, but i know when we're talking about a 500 word fanfic it's like if you trim this way 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 down it would be very very short and concise and maybe that is what we would like to see um but I, i'm gonna say another direction i would have kind of liked to see in this was to go a little bit longer um we're talking the author is introducing the lich here as a cosmic force which it is of entropy but it's a personified one, right? It's got experiences, I would think. And at no point does the Lich kind of mention anything specific it has ever done. And I don't need it to, like, mm -hmm. talk about the Adventure Time plot. I just mean, like, maybe instead of just describing in a general sense, I am the Omega, the conclusion to all things, maybe describe something cool that it's done. You know, like, reducing the planet of the Asparagus people to, like, a withered, you know, like, ball of, of mold and... Uh, and gaping holes, or some—I don't know—something like that. You see, I don't think the lich, the character in the show, was that personified. Like it was just always death, whenever it showed up, and that's what it talked about. And it didn't have like a history specifically, mm. and it didn't care unless it worked towards the goal. So I think detached cosmic force is the vibe that should be going forward to stay in character with the lich from, from the show. Okay, fair counterpoint. <laughs> it's complicated, though, because I feel like the Lich is is somewhat, like, sort of feels human in the show, despite being, like, terrifying. Like, feels like a person that has, like, a very evil person, but a villainous personality. <laughs> However, you know, what we kind of go on to learn, and again, I'm not sure if this information was available, but that the Lich was, like, a cosmic force that possessed a human and therefore became the Lich. That was right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we didn't know that at the time. However, I, I still think it's a good point to say that you're like a motto's poistal stance. It would have been cool to know, you know, what have you done? However, if we go by the lore that admittedly the author didn't have, it would have ended up being wrong because they wouldn't have done anything before in their humanoid form. Right. Like it would have been right as a different sort of entity. Anyway, not that important. Yeah. The, in this show, the Lich does have like a bit of a personal history, but it's never said by the Lich. It's always in um, narration by somebody else describing how terrible of a character or creature this mm -hmm. thing is. And the Lich itself is always just uh, moving towards its own automated goal. In fact, there's that one episode where after it fails its goal, it just sits in the corner of a room because like it doesn't have anything mm -hmm. that it can kill. So they, they, they say it's like, a, yeah. it's like a machine where it shuts down. And so the Lich just sits in a corner and people take selfies with it. <laughs> okay, good point. I guess it would be out of character for the Lich to dwell in the past at all, I suppose. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I'm starting to think maybe the Lich's character isn't exactly consistent. But if you take, you know, the read where it's like this cosmic force of destruction merged with an arbitrary random human, then that sort of makes sense. Um, however, remembering that, that was another terrifying part of the show that really moved me was like, you know, yes, they just, everyone's like, are you sh-, like Finn and Jake, are you sure that's safe? Like, you know, <laughs> sitting with the lich and taking selfies with it. Sure. He can't do anything now. He has no purpose, but then he does do something and they were wrong. And I don't remember why that is, but they ended up being wrong and it was like freaky. <laughs> well, I, I watched that episode like 30 minutes before I got on the call. Um, Prismo set things in motion, bringing his mm. physical body in there, explaining out loud to the whole room that waking up this person would kill him. And so, like, they bring it in front of the Lich, and the Lich is like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll kill him. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, well, so, so that was a bad move then, yes. That was a calculated move. <laughs> it was on purpose yeah. that Prismo did that. That makes sense. I was thinking about the episode a lot because I was always sort of like, what? I thought he was incapable of doing something. But I guess it was the appearance of Prismo's old man body that caused his function to resume. Gave him the opportunity to to do a murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but like it was almost like he couldn't do it unless a certain set of conditions were met, you know? Well, he couldn't escape the room. Ah. And no one in there could be killed by him, I guess. Uh, it's like Prismo's domain, yeah. <laughs> except for Prismo's physical body. Well, yeah, Prismo is a being outside of time, and they brought yeah, the thing that okay. allowed Prismo to exist in the room. Got it. No, that does actually make sense. <laughs> yeah. In a way. Well, speaking of escaping the room, let's <laughs> move on to our last little segment here where we talk about what we liked most about this fanfic. I like this character, and I never really realized it until I said it out loud just now, but <laughs> I do really enjoy the Lich <laughs> character, and I... Enjoy, I, I really sympathize with this um, instinct to like write from the lich's point of view and do like a kind of like gothic overwrought monologue about death and decay from an alien viewpoint and it really seems fun to me I'm trying to convince myself not to try to do it later at, at, when we end the call <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I enjoyed reading it a lot write the mm-hmm. same fanfic with overwrought you know like destruction and entropy kind of dialogue but from king from uh owl house you need to watch these shows Amada, before you reference it. <laughs> yeah i but, but yeah but i think like you might probably we're on to something where it should be shorter because like the uh the really cool parts in the show with the lich with their um, little monologues were very short but very poignant pieces might be a less is more situation but we're yeah. praising right now. We're praising. Oh, uh, that, that is your praise. I, I, I still think it got a lot of the voice. And when I read it like the first time, I did hear it in Ron Perlman's voice. Yeah. That, I mean, that's good. Yeah. That's a good sign if you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's it's really well written, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I think the author did show control and restraint in what they were writing and the scope of what they were doing and the very contained focus scope of what they were doing. And, um, you know, if I, I don't think there's a whole lot of indulgence here. It's just that, you know, we might as, as editors tend towards like even more cuts, but, but even so, like, mm-hmm. I, I think as always, I praise these fanfics where the author 
had a very specific goal, sets out, does it, and is out. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's so easy for fan fiction to go the other direction where it's like, well, I have no editor. I have no page count. I don't have to fit this <laughs> in a book. I'm just going to keep on writing. I, I really respect that. Um, I don't know how to put it. Like expression of art where it's just, just like, I want to do this. This is bugging me. Mm-hmm. And this is the creation I've made. And this is fulfilled. <laughs> I think it's yeah. often praiseworthy. And I I think they did that. And, you know, like I said, I think it's really well written, probably because they stayed within that scope. And maybe that's why it's easier to nitpick is because it's so short. But in general, I read this the first I I read this the first time and I was like, oh, that was impactful. Like it was really Mm -hmm. strong. And in fact, the thing I want to praise the most is the very last line, because after you have all of this like talk of like here's who I am, people are horrible, I was brought into this world to create suffering, and or like talk about description of necrotic tissues and oozing blood. <laughs> Very last thing is, um, well, last two lines. So like, you got whatever the reason, oh yeah. So it's asking, you know, Glitch is asking why I was brought into this world. Whatever the reason, it wished me to life, I will dutifully per- fulfill my job description. It's unethical to avoid the function you were born to perform. I love that. Yeah. Like, because it's so amoral, you know, like yeah. he's, but he's saying it's unethical. Like I, I'm performing ethically because this is my function. And yet it feels like the most amoral thing. I, I don't know. It, it like kind of drove me crazy. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> well, I, I think that's, that's right. Is that like the author has been very clear that, the lich is completely outside of morals, does not care about any of that, and is only vaguely disdainful at humans for thinking they have morals and deceiving themselves. Right. But it has ethics. Right. Well, but it's <laughs> it's more like it's using the... I guess that's true. Maybe that's it. I was thinking more like it's using the language of morality to describe, you know, it. the lich has its own morality. It's just very different from ours, I guess. I see. And maybe I that saw is that the as distinction. Like the, yeah. I saw that as the morals ethics distinction. You're probably where... right. I've never taken an ethics class, so. <laughs> How about a morals class? <laughs> no, not the one either. Well, actually, being a human does that count? No, but they do have morals classes in <laughs> Japanese elementary schools. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Terrifying. Well, I mean, it's very elementary school stuff. It's it's you know the time when you talk about like. Yeah. sharing and cleaning up after yourself and you know responsibility and you know respect and uh also some of the specific you know gestures in japanese society you need to be doing like gankily saying hello to people when you see them in the morning yeah mm-hmm. it's not too bad but like it's the idea that the lich never questions what it's going to do or mm-hmm. like it's like there might be a why but it doesn't matter because it's going to do it Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like very, um, I was gonna say it's very robotic, but we're all meat robots anyway, so whatever. Yeah, yeah, all electrical impulses. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, we didn't really do a lot of research about, like, this author or anything. I just wanted to point to a review I saw on AO3 about this that said, mm-hmm. um, this is actually really good. Your prose is elegant and the psychology is beautiful. It's definitely in character, all right. Uh, parentheses it's super weird though to read these knowing you as the quote the weird bodily fluids crack fic author end quote Hmm. well that's something so the author has range that is something that explains a lot of the uh (laughs) 
the bile. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, the bile yeah. and the chronic ooze. <laughs> there was that's what I was gonna say about is editing it down. Is there's like there's way more talk about necrotic ooze than there need like than like matters for the character. And, and like I thought about exploring what that meant about this author, but I do not have the stomach for it. This might be a job for um, Chaos Blue and the Fanfic Maverick, who, who has no yucks. So <laughs> to dive into right. let us know what this is about. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, right. Let's wrap up for today. I'm sorry to say <laughs> that we're going to be doing an Animorphs fanfic next time, so there's going to be a non-zero amount of body horror. I am pretty sure. But <laughs> it'll probably involve less bile. Maybe not no bile, but less bile. Oh, in that case, I'm out. Well, <laughs> okay, there's this, there's just this thing in, in Animorphs where uh, there's the mind control alien slugs and they go and swim in a pool together. So yep. what that pool is full of, I don't know. <laughs> Save it for the next episode, Tori. This is gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for stopping in at the end of this busy month of December. I, I, I mean, uh, January, because it's definitely 2022. That's yeah. that's the year it is, right? The, the very beginning of this busy month of, of January. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> December 2022, time travel is involved. Um, I love it. You know, every year when it's going to become a new year, we talk about how we're time traveling into the future, but we're actually doing that every episode anyway. It's just Ooh, an arbitrary deep. distinction of numbers. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, right? Thanks again for coming on, both of you. And <laughs> speaking of an arbitrary number, this was episode 126 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. <laughs> um, less arbitrary than some, but like we had a 0. 0.5 in there somewhere. We've done like special episodes that have no numbers. You know, there's some arbitrariness. Anyway. Episode 126 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Undeath by Carly Rowe. Carly Rowe. Um, you can find it on AO3. Th that's how you can tell it's not retro, is if it's on AO3. It was published initially on AO3, right? It's, it's too like new. Nine years ago, Amato. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just because none of my children were born back then uh, doesn't mean it was a long time ago. Our retro is like usually at least 15 years, though, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I think close well, to 10 look, is retro enough. Yeah, yeah. in fan fiction terms, it's fine. It's fine. It it's is fine. It's Especially gonna be, in internet terms. Yeah, it's going to be interesting and terrible turn when we start doing um, Homestuck fan fiction because that's going to be it's gonna be terrible, but good for me. <laughs> Someday. Someday. Well, I mean, if it's only 10 years, then it's already retro. So you're closer <laughs> every year, Della. <laughs> that's better, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> As for the podcast, the intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure Time by Komiku. I'm sorry, that would be Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. This podcast is edited by Della Davis. This is going to be a shorter episode than most to edit. So happy holidays to you, Della. <laughs> Yay. You forget. It's already January and the holidays are over. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Well, you have Amato's birthday coming up soon, so that's a holiday. Yeah, that's oh, one yeah. of the major holidays every year. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, you can start celebrating in November. The range just keeps increasing every year for celebrating my birthday. Oh, right. <laughs>
you can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, Facebook at Retrofanfic, or an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, or you could leave comments or reviews on your podcast service that you use to listen to us. Because I don't think many people just like download an MP3. Can you even do that off of Podbean without an account? Well, I, I think your sister did that. I, I'm not oh, sure anybody else does. You know what? Yeah, you might be right. I think maybe you can do that. Um, <laughs> I was doing that to listen to podcasts for quite a while. I think maybe until we started this podcast and like I actually had to get a program to do this sort of thing and I started using Podbean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Amado, you're kind of stuck in like early 2000s computer era period. <laughs> Um, look, why would you say that just because I produce a podcast about reading old fan fiction from the internet that nobody else cares about anymore? Because <laughs> I know I had to sneak this fanfic under your, <laughs> under your watch. <laughs> I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Della. We're just three self-destructive Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other, or at least um, fool ourselves into thinking that we have a sense of morality before death comes for us all. Until next time, take care. Gee, you're too bright and optimistic. <laughs> <laughs>